If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Notice with me over here in verse 10, Philippians 3.10. The Apostle Paul wrote, here, that I may know him and the power of his resur- resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Notice the language. Paul said, that I may know him. And just as he had known so much and didn't know and had many experiences, it was still his heart's desire to know the Lord. We know that's an experiential type of knowledge. He wanted to know him more. Look at John 17 with me as well. John chapter 17. Notice over here, John 17 in verse 3. See, this, this is a prayer that Jesus was praying. So why did Jesus pray? Because <laughs> well, he was uh, communicating with his Father. Same thing we do. We communicate to the Father. We just we do it in the name of Jesus now. He said in verse 3 in his prayer, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Notice the Lord Jesus' definition of eternal life. He, uh, he said it is to know Him. Now this word again here, know, is speaking... Uh, more of an intimacy than just an intellectual knowledge of God, okay? Um, but it's actually knowing God. And, you know, sometimes when people think about salvation, relationship with God, they limit their mind to the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, but salvation is not just the forgiveness of, their, of someone's sins. I think, and many things happen in a person's spirit when they are born again. However, it's important for us to have the Lord's perspective on what eternal life is, okay? What is it? It's knowing Him, all right? What the Lord really intended was not simply, you're in sin and I'm going to take care of it for you, although that was necessary for this to happen. But it's the this that the Lord wanted to get to. The reason He abolished your sin was not only even just to keep you out of hell and get you into heaven. Although that's, I'm glad that was in there. <laughs> but the reason He wiped away our sin and made us a new creation in Christ Jesus is so that we could know Him. So that we could have an intimate experiential relationship with him okay that's the will of god and if we're only just focused on i need my sins forgiven that's not going to do the trick okay that gives you right standing with god but it's not what your heart really longs and desires for i'm telling you god made you and he made me to have a relationship with him to know him to walk with him to enjoy our lives with him not just for him, with him. And that's how Jesus defined eternal life. And so I think it's right when many of us will, will share the gospel with other people and we'll put it in these terms. You know, you might believe in God, but do you have a relationship with him? Do you know the Father? 
All right, what could you tell me about him? If someone said, well, I, yeah, I know him. Well, tell me about him, then what's he like? Yeah. Well, what could you share with me about, it, about his likes and his dislikes? About the way he is, his character, and the things that he does. This is what this is supposed to be about. Now, a person comes, and they repent of their sins, and they, they give their lives to the Lord, and thank God they are born again. Eternal life is deposited inside of them. It's a present tense and future tense possession, right? It'll forever be, but that is so. It is for the express purpose of walking with Him, of being with Him, of knowing Him, of having an intimate relationship with God. Look at the third chapter of Mark. Mark chapter 3. You know, even, even over in the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, the Scripture speaks of a secret place that a person can have with God. It's a place that's close to Him. It's, it's a place that's hidden from others. It's a place that's hidden from all that would harm. It's a secret place with God. Do you have one of those? I mean, nobody else is allowed in. It's just you and Him. Amen. We need to have that kind of place with the Lord. Praise God. He wants to meet you there. If you haven't done so for a while, set up an appointment. Say, I'm busy. I know. Put it in the calendar. Say, can I schedule God like that? He'll show up if you put Him in. Hmm? Obviously, we eventually want to get to the place where you know, and many of us are there, but you know, where we fellowship with them all the time. But if you haven't set some time aside, go ahead. I don't know about you, because I, I do this sometimes. I, I, I pray while I'm driving. And I enjoy it. I pray sometimes while I'm doing, if I'm doing something natural, uh, that I don't have to think about a whole lot. You know, I can kind of check out my brain, do whatever I'm doing, and praise. And praise God at the same time or pray in other tongues at the same time. I'll do that. However, I don't think that should take the place of sometimes having specific time where we say, okay, close the computer. If you have a laptop, you know, uh, you know, turn off the computer, turn off this, just focus now and just meet with the Lord. I'll tell you what, he likes that. He enjoys, you know how we oftentimes think of the scriptures that tell us to seek God's face to, uh, you know, to pray without ceasing, to do all these things, to call upon the name of the Lord, make petition of Him, and, and right and good. But you know the Lord is also seeking your face. Sometimes you think, why does God want us to worship, just to worship Him? Do you know it comes back? It's an intimate relationship. Hmm. Do you know that God praises you just like you praise Him? I know sometimes people don't think about, about that. They think, no, all praise goes to God. Yeah, I know from us, but what about from Him? Amen. Well, if we had time, I'd show you the Scriptures. But uh, they're there. <laughs> How God responds back to you. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 14 Um, it says, then he appointed 12 that they might go preach for him. Is that what the scripture says? 
Notice, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. You notice the order. What did the Lord want the 12 to do? First and foremost, he wanted them to be with him. What does the Lord want from you? Does he just want acts of service? Does he just want you to preach for him, to, to do good uh, Christian works for him? I'm telling you, no. He, he wants that, but it's just not first. The Lord wants first and foremost to be with us. He's seeking your face. He wants some time. And the thing is, when a person, you know, my personality to some degree is, let's get something done. You know, if we're going to do it, let's get go ahead and do it. But how many know if you get that first, and if you try to do it before being with Him, you'll probably fall on your face. That's not the way the Lord designed the human being, human beings to work. Where we can just, in and of ourselves, with our own willpower, just say, I'm going to go out and do something great. Not for Him. That's not the way it works. He said, I want you to do something great, but first, stick around for a while. First, just hang out with me. Spend some time. Develop that relationship, that intimacy. Then in that place, how many know, is where we get instruction, where we get empowered, to where when we do go out, we actually have something to say. <laughs> when we do go out to do, we do it right. We don't fall on our face and we have a, a humility about us because, listen, you don't spend time with the Lord and come out thinking you're something better than everybody else or, you know, got a chip on your shoulder. You don't come out of the presence of God arrogant and proud and standing up for your own rights and your own way. And No. The presence of God will do something that's necessary in your heart. So that when you face the challenges, oh, challenges are out there. When you face opposition, and opposition is out there, you've got the heart that's ready to handle it. Amen. But listen, that only comes, not just again, not just by a mechanical spending time with Him. Okay, I spent my time, I sang three songs, I did this, I read three chapters, I, you know. No, 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 you got to know Him. You, you talked and communicated and that's what the Lord wanted with His disciples, that first and foremost they would be with Him, and then they would go out from there. From His presence, they would do the will of God. Don't try to do the will of God without being in His presence first. I remember hearing a quotation, uh, by some, I don't even remember the person who, who, who said it, and I didn't see it firsthand, I was told, but... Uh, this person was someone who, who, uh, who did a lot for God. And they, they made this statement that always stuck with me. They said, I have so much to do. I am so busy every day. In fact, today I've got so much to do. I don't think I'm going to be able to, I don't think I'm going to have time to do everything unless I spend the first four hours praying. <laughs> and I, it always stuck out in my mind. I thought, oh, four hours? Don't you think you could get something done in those four hours? I mean, be wise with your time and get a head start and get some stuff done. But he recognized that the things that he had to do, 
he couldn't do them in himself. And he would be more productive if he would dedicate the first four hours of his day to time with God. Wow. It's amazing how many things are that way. We think, I don't have time to do this. <laughs> I don't have time to spend, I don't have time to spend singing and worshiping and praying in the Spirit, and, and I've got stuff to do. Well, maybe you find yourself getting a lot more done in less time. Be way more productive if you took adequate time in His presence. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke six twelve says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Think about that. He prayed all night. Interesting thing about this, of course, for us charismatics, <laughs> spirit-filled folks, Jesus didn't speak in tongues. <laughs> I can knock out some hours in tongues. <laughs> but in your known tongue, all night long. Hmm. Here's what I know. wasn't just one way. Know what I'm talking about? I believe it was a dialogue with the Father. That his time spent all night in prayer wasn't just him talking for say, eight hours or something like this, him talking constantly. I bet there was a whole lot of listening going involved, involved in that prayer time. But the Lord spent all night in prayer. Someone said, I'd like to have the things happen in my life that Jesus had happened, some of the outstanding, miraculous things. Well, do we do what Jesus did? Not that it's a merit thing. But I'm telling you, there's a, there was an aspect of the Lord's relationship with the Father that is accessible. I mean, the whole thing is accessible to us. We can have the same thing. Because as He is, so are we in this world. All right? We can and are supposed to have the same relationship with the Father. But sometimes there are reasons why Jesus, you know, was so good at what He did. And it wasn't just because He was Jesus. It was because... He knew his father. And he took time. He spent time. Sometimes. All night. I don't know. Did he set out to do that? I don't know if he decided ahead of time. You know, I really just need to spend the night in prayer. Maybe he did. Maybe he just got going. Maybe he just got alone and began to fellowship with the father. And talk. And hear. And before he knew it. It was morning. I mean, how many times when, when, uh, when a uh, young man and woman are getting interested in each other, and maybe they don't live in the same vicinity, and they have telephones, at least you know, a number of years ago, like when we were single and stuff. Now there's email and Facebook and texting and, and uh, chat, iChatting and all kinds of stuff, but... You know, a lot of times phone bills would go way up <laughs> if you lived in different parts of the state or different parts of the country or something like that. And uh, a man and woman get so interested in each other 
that they'll talk for hours, hours and hours and hours. And before you know it, it's morning (laughs) and the phone bill is coming, (laughs) right? Could it be that way with the father? I'm telling you the potential's there. He's got enough to say. But it's just a matter of growing in our relationship with him and just enjoying him. And I'm not encouraging, even for a moment, that you should just go out and try to replicate this. We're not ever told you have to pray all night. Don't feel like you have to. But I think the relationship with God needs to be progressing and developing and we're getting to know him and we're enjoying him. That we may hear a testimony where you come back and say, you know what, I just... You know, you're not trying to get any pats on the back, but you were talking with the Lord, and before you knew it, you didn't fall asleep either, but it was morning. <laughs> I mean, or, or maybe you, you got praying, and man, all of a sudden a couple hours had passed, and you didn't realize that you're just enjoying yourself. Look what happened after this. That was verse 12. Verse 13, and when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose the twelve, he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. Well, I know one thing that was happening during the night in Jesus' extended prayer meeting. Is he was getting direction and instruction from his father. Because he had a whole mess of disciples. Sometimes we just think there was twelve. No, there's gobs of them. Okay, lots of, lots of people. And he needed 12. He needed a smaller group. Well, who am I going to use? Think he had them turn in resumes and stuff and <laughs> turn, in, turn in some references. Let me call your previous employers, your previous masters, lords, you know, <laughs> teachers. Uh, no, but he spent time and he got it. Think about the importance of that decision. I mean, the Lord had to get that one right. I mean, these people, he had to know the right ones. I mean, they, they were the foundation laying the building blocks. I mean, Jesus is the, the foundation, the chief cornerstone. But uh, uh, he, he had to get it right. They were the beginning of the church age. And, and, and getting everything started of which we're here as a result. He couldn't afford to get the wrong ones. What do you do if you have a really, really important decision to make? <laughs> you pray. And you may take extra time. Again, not as a merit thing. Well, if I pray long, then God will show me. No, you just talk to Him until He tells you. You talk to Him until He gives you direction. You spend time with Him. How long should I pray? Until you get it. Until you know what to do. Until you, you hear his voice and he gives it clear to you. That's how long. If it takes till morning, I'm telling you, it will have been worth. Especially with this magnitude of decision. It will have been worth missing sleep. Or missing a meal. Or missing something else. You know, don't just stay home from work and hope they'll understand. You know, you got to respect your commitments. But there are times when... You know, it's inconvenient, but I tell you what, for important things, it's important that we know. It's important that we get it right. With some serious things, lives hang in the balance. I believe this was one of them. 
lives hung in the balance of Jesus knowing which ones to pick. Amen. You know, the scripture tells us in Ephesians 5 that we should have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. But what are we fellowshipping with? Who are we fellowshipping with? We should fellowship with the Father, with the Lord at all times. And uh, amen. Sometimes people have the, kind of have the fire, seems like the fire's going out in their walk with the Lord and their relationship with God. So how, how, how would I know if that was really the case? Well, sometimes it's just simple things like, you know, worship is not very exciting. The Word of God seems dry to you. Uh, you know, church services and those types of things are, uh, you know, kind of more like a drudgery as, as opposed to a excitement and desire. And, you know, uh, one common phrase among backslidden Christians are, uh, uh, you don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. That's never a good thing to say. You're showing your spiritual condition. So if you thought about it, don't say it. Because it's not true either, by the way. Amen. I mean, no, you don't disobey the Bible and be a good Christian. Amen. Sometimes, you know, people just, it's just in their life, it's like the reality of God has faded. I mean, he's still real. They haven't lost their faith, but, uh, but he just doesn't seem real to them anymore. That's why it's good. I don't know, you know, I don't mean to push anyone into trying to conjure up any kind of feeling or experience, but a service like this one, there's there's a degree of tangible presence. And again, say, I don't feel anything. Well, don't worry about it. But uh, as, as you move along, cause you, you, there's times when you really recognize the Spirit of God moving. And it's hard necessarily to put in words. How do you describe it? Well, He's, he's just here. It's good from this perspective. He seems more real. We know He's real. He's just as real. He's not changing at all. But more real to you. There's a reality of God in your life. Changes your confidence level. Changes your, uh, your activity. The things that you'll do and the things that you won't do. Let me show you something over here in, in, in the book of Revelation. And I don't think we'll go too much longer here tonight. Just want to bring out these few, few points. Maybe we'll go long. Who knows? <laughs> if we're having a good enough time, we might just stay till morning. Amen. Amen. Just leave when it's time to go to work. <laughs> Revelation. Uh, you know, you know one, of the, one of the other things I like to mention sometimes is, uh, you know, when people start talking about the Lord, people bring up Jesus and you're quick to change the subject. You're not doing good. Serious. In other words, what, when I say you're not doing good, well, you've lost some kind of spark or fire or something there if you don't really want to talk about the Lord. Because when you get back to that place, your heart will long to hear His name. There's, there's something about Him, and someone brings Him up, and you'll perk up. 
It's like, yeah, what? Has he been saying something to you? Or she show you something in the Word? And what's been happening? What's he been doing? He's been healing someone again? <laughs> what's been going on? Revelation 2, did I tell you which chapter? You know, in the first, first part of the book of Revelation, it's uh, these letters from the Lord to various churches. And, uh, you know, basically giving them, a lot of them, correction and, uh, and telling them what they're doing right and wrong. Um, it says to the angel of the church of Ephesus in chapter 2, verse, verse 1. So he's writing to the church at Ephesus. The angel is probably speaking of, you know, Revelation has a lot of kind of coded language and, and symbol, symbolism and so forth. The angel is probably the pastor because the angel is a messenger uh, in the Greek. Uh, to the pastor of the church of Ephesus, he, um, he writes in, in verse 4. We're not going to go through the whole thing. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What did they do? They were a church. They were meeting. They were, they were doing some things right. And he, he makes mention of those in the earlier verses. He said, you got this going on. you this going on. But here's the problem. You've left your first love. And I want you to know, does the Lord care about right doctrine? Sure. Does he care about us doing good works? Absolutely. Yeah, wants us to do good things. But I want you to know this. No matter how much of that is going on, he's not okay if we're not in love. Because he is. You know that's true. Say, but no, not the way I've been doing. Yes, the way you've been doing. Still loves you. How many know that's true? While we were yet sinners, Christ died. He was not looking for a person or a church to have their act completely together. He was in love with us anyway. Okay? And he wants it reciprocated. Amen. And they had lost it. They were going through the motions. And they were doing some things right. Again, usually a person doesn't go all the way down the tubes at once. But they were lacking this area of their life. And let's do a double check on our own lives. Am I still in love with the Lord? Or if I, have I ever been? Does that sound kind of strange? Listen, it's not. And that's the way the Lord wants to be with you. He's in love with you. He hears your name. He gets a smile on his face. Amen. Wants to hear your voice. Wants to hear what you have to say. Wants to spend time and talk. And the Lord had this against them, though. He was kind of upset. said, you're supposed to be in love with me. We're supposed to have a little love thing going on here. Amen. Little love boat. Look at chapter 3. This, uh, in chapter 3, of course, he's dealing with a different church. Actually, a church at Laodicea. And in, in verse 15, notice in verse 15, he says, I know your works, that you are neither hot, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm... And neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. The Lord wants cold or hot. Now, the group he was writing to here understood that in a certain way. Because 
the area in which they lived, uh, this place, Laodicea, where it was located, basically was 11 miles to the east of a city, the city of Colossae. Okay, the book was written to the Colossians. Colossae was sitting at the base of a large mountain called Mount Padmas. All right, and these things are still, of course, there today. And Mount Padmas had snow on it uh, much of the year. And as the snow would melt, of course, Colossae was abundantly supplied with very cold, fresh water. And it was nice. And it was something they all enjoyed very much, And in addition to some cold water springs that they had. Now, six miles to the north was a city called Heropolis. All right. Heropolis was famous for its hot mineral springs. All right. They had the hot tubs. Okay. And, and people would go there and soak and enjoy, I'm told. Uh, that even today, you look up on the hills and stuff, and they're white. They look like there's snow on them, but it's mineral deposits. And there's, these things are still there today. And, and that was the condition of the city, the city on the other side. And so th- then we had Laodicea kind of in the middle. They didn't have their own water supply. And they had, it was a wealthy city. They had some things um, going for it. But they didn't have their own water supply, and so they got it from six miles away. And by the time the water got to them, what was it? It was lukewarm. Basically, they, apparently this water was not very good to drink, made them nauseous. And in one sense, you could say it was good for nothing. And so when the Lord began to speak to them, about being cold or hot, it was specifically to their area. They knew cold water, that was the envy of everyone. Ooh, that's nice. Or the hot tubs, <laughs> the hot mineral springs, that was of great benefit. But where they were, yeah, just kind of lukewarm, kind of useless. And when the Lord used that language, that's what they all understood. That's what he was referring to. Sometimes people think about those, that scripture and, and they think, well, God wants you to either to be totally for him or hot for him or just reject him and be cold for him. Actually, that's not what the Lord is saying because he doesn't want you to reject him at all. But here's what the Lord does want. He wants us to be useful. <laughs> he wants us to, to have, have a purpose. And they got to the place in their church where they were lukewarm. They were good for nothing. They weren't getting anything done. And he says, be hot or be cold. Serve a purpose. Have something good going, in your, uh, going on in your life. And this was one of their rebukes. Look at verse 20. Of course, a lot of good stuff in here. Verse 20 is a well-known verse of Scripture in Christian circles in churches. The Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, of course, 
how that's commonly used is in relationship to uh, a person being saved. And there's no doubt that there are probably people in heaven today that they got saved because someone used this scripture and they said the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart and you need to let them in. And they got saved as a result of it. But can we see by the context here, that's not really what the Lord is talking about. He is writing to saved people. He's writing to a church that had grown lukewarm. Okay? What would contribute to them becoming again now useful to him, hot or cold, serving a purpose? It was their fellowship with him. He said, I'm knocking on your door. It's like the picture again is Jesus on the outside, even though we know biblically and technically speaking, the Lord is still within every person who's been saved. But the picture is, it's like the Lord on the outside knocking on the door of their heart saying, I want to come in and have dinner with you. I want to come in and fellowship. I want to spend some time with you. And I believe that that is a big solution and a big key to a person or a church becoming productive and useful and, 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 and worth something in the hand of God for eternal purposes. And if a church loses the, the, the aspect, and, and I say a church, it is the individuals in the church. If a church loses that intimacy where they fellowship with the Lord, then they are going to get to a place of lukewarmness. This has got to be high priority. It's not all about strategy. It's not all about uh, some of those areas. It comes down to this, a church the people in a church being in love with Jesus, being in love with God and wanting and desiring Him more than anything else. That's a person whom God can use. It's a person whom God can take from here to there and do something of eternal value, do something that's special with. But again, the purpose of the Lord isn't strictly just to make us useful or to for us to go and preach the lord's first purpose is just to be with us it's why he created us it was for his good pleasure and it's why he longs for us to walk closely and be with him every single day do we know god amen well what is eternal life it is knowing him Knowing the Father and knowing Jesus whom He has sent. Amen. Amen. Father, thank You tonight. Thank You so much for Your goodness. We bless Your name. We give You all the praise. We thank You for speaking to our hearts tonight. Revealing Yourself. Revealing Your will and Your ways. Thank You, Lord. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor.